재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Reporters Without Borders said last month a total of 110 journalists were killed around the world in the line of duty. Uh, many of them died in war zones, but the majority were killed in supposedly peaceful countries. According to the monitoring group's annual roundup, 67 of the 110 journalists were killed in connection with their work listing wartime Syria and Iraq as the most dangerous places for journalists. However, the group was not able to clearly identify the motives or circumstances surrounding the 43 other deaths of these journalists. Unlike in 2014, armed conflicts was not the main reason of death. To discuss this in more detail, we're very pleased to have joining us a veteran journalist, also the international director of the Center for Freedom of the Media at the University of Sheffield, William Horsley. Hello. Good, uh, good evening. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I suppose for a lot of people this is a bit confusing in terms of uh, the major cause of death in peaceful countries. Uh, from what we know so far, how do journalists lose their lives uh, in places that are not, let's say, Syria or Iraq? Well, a, a new phenomenon we've seen really uh, in the last year is the spillover of the uh, activity of uh, militants, uh, mainly Islamic extremists, into uh, places like Europe. You had the devastating attack on the Charlie Hebdo magazine in Paris mm. uh, just a year ago with eight journalists, 17 people in all killed. You had a, a couple of attacks in Copenhagen soon afterwards. Uh, and, of course, in Turkey, too, you've got a number of Syrian journalists actually in Turkey being chased there and killed in Turkey. But the, 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 the great body of uh, people being killed, if you look at the Reporters Without Borders uh, uh, list, apart from Syria and Iraq at the top, you have uh, some countries like uh, India, Mexico, Philippines, and Honduras. And there what you see is uh, a, a mixture of business and political uh, interests, sometimes with intelligence services and criminal elements, um, uh, hunting down and silencing journalists who are reporting on, on crime, on corruption, on environmental abuses, human rights uh, abuses, and so on. And, and that's why that's now the majority of, of deaths uh, in, in, are, are, of journalists are in non-conflict zones. So when we're talking about these so-called peaceful countries, whether it's the Charlie Hebdo attack uh, in France or some of the other situations that occur, you mentioned Turkey and uh, some places like Mexico, it, it, it's a combination of factors of spillover effects of uh, the reach of Daesh or ISIS and also some of the other uh, activities that these journalists are uh, engaged in and investigating that may lead to some sort of violent outcome? Yeah, I mean, uh, UNESCO, uh, the UN agency, keeps very detailed figures. They do uh, announcements and uh, they, they condemn every journalist killing that, uh, that, that happens around the world. And this has now risen up the agenda of the UN quite dramatically because the numbers are so big. Uh, uh, all the, the, the worst years for killings of journalists uh, in history have been in the last uh, 10 years. But what, what really we see is uh, the, the breakdown of uh, societies or this conflict, this kind of open war uh, in which journalists get caught in the middle uh, and uh, against the powerful forces of, uh, of business, of corporations, uh, of uh, sort of uh, democratic dictators, as, uh, as they're called in some places, 
And, of course, you see that across the Middle East, even in countries that aren't at war, mm. uh, like uh, Egypt uh, and Iraq. After the, uh, the, 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 the Americans uh, uh, were there, you still see uh, large numbers of journalists being uh, targeted. Many had disappeared. You know, they, they simply get uh, disappeared. And, and nearly all the cases of journalists killed in these non-conflict zones have experienced uh, death threats in advance, and the authorities have failed to uh, protect them. Uh, so, uh, uh, for example, you know, in Mexico, you had a, a case in the last year. Ruben Espinosa was, uh, you know, he's an investigative journalist uh, uh, trying to keep track of the drugs uh, gangs. Uh, he fled uh, uh, from Santa Cruz, from the, the, the Veracruz, the area where he was very dangerous, to Mexico for safety. They hunted him down there and killed him. In India, the same thing with an investigative journalist, uh, Sandeep Kotari. Uh, he was, uh, he, he was um, uh, threatened, abducted, and, and killed. And this is now becoming a kind of occupational hazard of journalists, even in those uh, countries that aren't at war. Is there something different in this modern era of digital journalism? You have uh, people who are covering events um, through maybe non-traditional media outlets uh, and the protections are not in place as they used to be because we've, we've known about war correspondence um, from decades past and we know it's a dangerous occupation indeed, maybe even romanticized to some extent. But is the, today's era of journalism just inherently more dangerous? Uh, well, it's much wider in scope because you've got literally millions of people on social media or doing blogging, citizens, journalists, and that kind of thing. The Reporters Without Borders figures uh, suggest that about, uh, uh, well, 34 media workers or what they call citizen journalists are among those who were killed in the last year. That's uh, close to a third uh, of the total. Um, so what we saw in the Arab Spring and, and in other uh, insurgencies or... or uh, a tense uh, political situations is, is always the civil society people and the journalists. Uh, very often, uh, they, uh, journalists are unable to publish uh, in print because uh, government control or they get hunted down or their, their, their offices are destroyed. So they'll, they'll do it from, uh, from home or they'll just do it online, maybe anonymously. And yet you have the electronic armies at work in, you know, in, in Iran, in, in Russia, uh, almost everywhere now, uh, the, the intelligence services and the governments are, are keeping watch on everybody who expresses dissent. Uh, and those people are, are very often uh, targeted, and, and that's why they account for, you know, increasingly large number of the total dead. The report by Reporters Without Borders certainly indicates that there needs to, to be something done to help protect journalists, uh, whatever media uh, outlet you're working for, what kind of protections are in place? What should be in place? Do we need some kind of Geneva Conventions multilateral agreement to help protect these journalists? Uh, there's been a lot of talk about that. I mean, let, let's face it, the, the United Nations uh, has passed five resolutions in the Security Council, the Human Rights Council, and finally the General Assembly uh, on the safety of journalists and also the, the issue of impunity, because in uh, so many of these cases, the vast majority, more than nine out of ten cases globally, and that's true of peaceful and conflict countries, uh, the killers uh, go uh, unpunished. And this, this is a, a evidence, I think, of the, the corruption of the judiciary or of the administrations, uh, which are unwilling uh, to go out and punish these people, often because they're perhaps... Uh, in, in league in some way with, uh, with powerful forces. 
so the, the there is a, there are mechanisms. Uh, uh, the well, the UN Security Council has had passed two resolutions in 2006 and and just last year uh, to try to uh, force countries or uh, induce uh, countries uh, not to target journalists who are civilians in war zones. And the, there is a suggestion. Reporters Without Borders is very keen on this that there should be a mechanism through the Security Council to uh, to uh, refer. Uh, countries like Syria, where that uh, uh, happens often uh, to the International Criminal Court, but there are all kinds of legal complications uh, with that. You have to say that there are some success stories. Uh, the the case of Colombia, which is, uh, of course, drug-written uh, uh, and uh, virtual civil war with the drug logs for many years, there has been a big turnaround there. It used to be the, one of the worst countries in the world for uh, journalist deaths, uh, the president, the presidential administration agreed to a national uh, uh, a mechanism which was supported from outside uh, with NGOs working with the, the government, the federal uh, the government at federal level, uh, and they protected journalists, human rights defenders, trade unionists, and others. There's, there are now uh, efforts through the UN and locally in Mexico uh, to change the laws to get federal prosecutors uh, to get protection mechanisms in in place uh, and of course at the UN level you do see I mean the Human Rights Council is hard at work at this there, there is a review process of every country in the world in turn and uh, there's the UN Human Rights uh, Committee which is a body of lawyers which can intervene on behalf of journalists I think journalists and others need to be aware of these uh, mechanisms because right. there is a lot that can happen through international pressure. No country in the world really wants to be exposed, named and shamed in this way. Right. So there's a lot more that could be done in those ways if the, if the political leadership is there. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. But, uh, Mr. Horsley, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time on this. My pleasure. William Horsley from the Center for Freedom of Media at University of Sheffield. We've got Soul City News up next.